The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the fourth chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and it grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and it becomes larger than all of the garden plants, and it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. The gospel of our Lord. Dear Saints, isn't it natural for us to worry, to fret, to talk about things that are seemingly out of our control? And how often have you been in a discussion recently where we haven't talked about things like the weather? It's too hot. It's too cold. The wind never seems to stop blowing. I hope it doesn't snow or hail. And we sure could use some more rain especially in our agricultural communities where much of our livelihood depends on the weather. And this, well, you know, it hasn't been the greatest of years when it comes to the weather. Record heats, bad storms, and of course, not enough moisture. As much as we worry about these things, it always amazes me that given the right circumstances, most things will generally grow by themselves. For example, consider our fields and even our gardens. Most of the time, all you need to do is plant the seed, ensure it gets a little water and a little light, and then the plant will normally grow by itself. We do not need to tell it what to do. We don't need to place a sign next to the seed saying, please send roots downward and stems upward. We do not need to tell it when to mature or when to stop growing upwards. We do not need to tell it when to produce seed, fruit, or flower. Of course, we can do all types of things to help our plants maximize their growth and their yield by cultivating and removing weeds, by spraying for diseases and pests, 
and by ensuring that they get enough water and sunshine. I know, easier said than done, but generally speaking, plants will grow by themselves without instructions and without our help. Today in the gospel text, Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God is a bit like a farmer who goes out and sows the seed. Then whether the farmer is working or sleeping, the crop will basically grow by itself. And just like a farmer or a gardener sows seeds and the crop will grow, as the seed of the gospel is planted in people's hearts, the kingdom of God will basically grow by itself according to God's bidding and God's timing. Isn't that great news? Put it this way, it is not up to us to make the kingdom of God grow. The success of the kingdom of God is not dependent on us. Sure, we are encouraged to be diligent and faithful in sharing the gospel and the good news with each other, but we do not need to beat ourselves up for not doing enough. Not doing enough to save the souls for Christ. It is wonderful to know that all we have to do is plant the word of God and let the Holy Spirit do its work in its own good time. Just as a tiny mustard seed can grow into a large tree, God God works through even small gatherings of people like, like us here to produce the fruits of the gospel, which can be seen and appreciated by the larger community. But Despite this simple and liberating truth, how many times have we been tempted to make the kingdom grow our way and with our own time frames? How many times do we think that God's kingdom is dependent on our efforts? How many times have we despaired because we reckon there's too few making an impact on the kingdom of God? And so we criticize each other for not doing enough. For his mission. How many times have we not trusted the gospel will actually work without our help or our manipulation to make it seem convincing? And how many times have we tried to repackage the gospel in the right way to make it more appealing? And how many times have we tried to reinterpret what God says in order to make it more attractive or perhaps even more inclusive. And part of the problem is that we live in this instant gratification world. If we want hot water, we turn on the tap. If our meal has gone cold, well, we simply throw it in the microwave and zap it. If you want to communicate to someone around the world, well, you pick up your phone, you make a call, you send a text or an email. If you want to know something, well, we have the Internet and its many search engines. You want to buy something? We have many department stores and several virtual marketplaces like eBay and Amazon. Don't have enough money to do it right now? Well, no problem. Don't worry. We can finance that. No need to wait. You can have what you want now. Instantly. Instant gratification. 
Unfortunately, despite all the blessings of living in this instant world, we might be tempted to think that unless we see instant results of our faithful service, that it's not working. Therefore, if we cannot convince others to believe in Jesus during one conversation or one worship service, or we do not see our numbers increase each and every week, or if we do not see immediate results from the gospel's work on our children and our grandchildren, then we figure that we are not doing our job rightly and have to change what we do in order to make it work instantly. When we do not immediately see the results that we are after, we might be tempted to think that the gospel has not worked or done what it is promising to do. We wonder such things as maybe we didn't say the right thing or maybe we're not convincing enough. Perhaps we've scared them off by being too religious. Or maybe we need to repackage our faith so it becomes more acceptable and more appealing. I've been studying with a small group, and I know that some here in the congregation are also reading a book by Todd Bolsinger titled Canoeing the Mountains. It's a book that has brought encouragement and new hope to its many readers in a world much like ours, where Christ's church seems to have its back against the wall in a struggle to survive. But we strive forward in uncharted paths, seeking new perspective and unwavering character, able to withstand attacks and ambushes on our faith, the church, and the kingdom of God. In our time, it appears that the practice of the Christian faith is on the decline. We all know people who once attended the church regularly and loyally supported its work and who now have little or nothing to do with it. The Christian church has less influence over the major developments in our nation, less than it once had anyway. When the church does speak out on vital moral issues, many people ignore what it says. The church seems to be an insignificant minority. And the two parables in today's gospel, well, they're the the Lord's word of encouragement to those who are worried about the future of the church. Our God is a God of small beginnings. But from small beginnings initiated by God come immense results. The seeds that we sow for God will result in the greatest harvest ever. Therefore, what is wrong with sowing the seeds of the gospel and letting them mature and grow at their own pace. Whoever heard of a farmer who sowing seed one day expects to harvest that seed the next? Just because you do not always see immediate results doesn't mean God isn't slowly working his seed of faith within people's hearts. And just like the growth of seeds that is in the ground, the work of God is mostly hidden from our sight. And just because we don't see any of the effects doesn't mean that it isn't effective. 
The Lord of the harvest will see to that. Those who heard Jesus preach were astonished at the power in his words. His parables were anything but nice stories or pretty illustrations of everyday truths. Together with Christ's miracles, they are heaven's invasion of our world. His parables have been called weapons of warfare against his critics. In them, Jesus takes items familiar to his audience, everyday activities like sowing and reaping, waking and sleeping, and gives them new spiritual meaning. He makes familiar things look new as pointers to what God is doing in our midst. Jesus' parables speak volumes to those who embrace the key to those parables, Jesus Christ himself. He is the hidden meaning in most of his parables. In telling them, he's pointing us to what he has come to do for you and how he is working in our midst to rescue and to redeem us. The trouble is, however, that we want immediate results or the instant effectiveness of God's word. It shows that we do not fear, love, and trust in it. And if we do not fear, love, and trust in the word, then we may not trust the one who spoke it. We may become impatient with God and be tempted to tell people what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. Then what we end up giving them is not the gospel, but it's something else. Sure, what we give them might be effective at the time, but it won't provide the seed of faith that they need to settle in their heart and let it grow and mature there. Jesus sees parables between what farmers and gardeners do and what God's word is doing in our hearts and in our minds. New life springing from a seed broken open in the soil seems like a parable of our own resurrection from the grave. And today's first parable traces the progress of God's word within us. We cannot manipulate it. And even if we try, we may do the wrong thing despite our best intentions. We are to simply trust God's word, God's ways, and God's timing. God's kingdom is planted through the word and his sacraments. How beautiful is it today that we celebrate one of those sacraments in holy baptism. These are, in a sense, the seeding, the planters, the machines that God uses to plant his seed. Therefore, we trust, given the right circumstances where the word is preached in its truth and its purity, and the sacraments are administered rightly, the kingdom of God will grow all by itself. We can be so impatient for results, not just within ourselves, but also in the lives of our fellow Christians, our fellow church members, that we don't allow God time to complete what can only grow and develop slowly, step by step. For some, for some folk, the sowing hardly finished and they want to, be, to bring in the harvester. 
And God takes things slowly. God's never in a hurry. And in the same way, just like the planting and the growth of the crop is up to God, so is his harvest. We don't get to harvest the crop, but God does. And God may use us to plant his word as we share our faith and the gospel of forgiveness with others, but we might not see the harvest of that word. He remains steadfast, patient, and calm. He walks with us at our pace so that we can grow in the way that he sees best, in faith, hope, and in love. St. Paul says in his epistle letter to the Corinthians, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Now, some may reject God's word. And ultimately, that is not our fault, and it certainly isn't God's fault. Some may reject the grace of God because of their own stubborn ears and hardened hearts. But we should receive great comfort from this parable We are to simply proclaim the word of God in its truth and its purity. And we shouldn't be too worried if it does, if we don't get to see the results, even over a long period of time. The kingdom of God is hidden from our sight and its growth is done in secret. We simply won't always see the result of our labors. Also, isn't it comforting to know that the growth of the kingdom of God is not dependent on human activity or even measurable by human standards. God will grow his kingdom, not us. We don't have to know or measure the yield of the crop, but simply trust that God knows his crop intimately. He knows what's best for it and how to achieve its greatest yields. Imagine what pressures there must have been on Jesus to set a hectic pace in his ministry. How different was Jesus's way of working? Though the burden of the whole world lay heavily on his shoulders with their needs on his heart, Christ Jesus took time to stop whatever he was doing to talk with the needy individuals. Jesus spent lots of time with seemingly unstrategic, insignificant men, women, and children. He doesn't seem bothered by the fact that these are not strategically important persons, but only that they are God's lost and straying children. Keep patiently planting the seed of God's word. Keep having family devotions. Keep teaching religious education. Keep teaching the young in Sunday school and confirmation. Keep meeting in small groups where you study God's word. Keep gathering together for worship to be nourished by God in word and sacrament. No no matter how many or how few come. Continue to share your hope in Jesus Christ with others. But don't be disappointed when you don't see immediate results. Jesus has all of the time for needy individuals because the times and the seasons of each life, well, they're in God's hands. With the outcome of growth in God's good time, Jesus gives each person who comes to him what they uniquely 
need. He treats them differently. And one man he asked to follow him to the other, he says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And what mercy he has shown you. Trust in the power of God's word. Trust his word will do work that it needs to do to tear down and to build up, to threaten and to comfort, to kill and to make alive. Trust there will be a harvest at its right time. Where the gospel of Christ is shared more, much more is happening behind the scenes. God's word is never inactive. God says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah 55. It is a joy to see people of all ages mature in their faith and commitment to Jesus and to grow in compassion, kindness, and consideration for others. It's been said that the growth is the best evidence of life. A living faith is a growing faith. The growth occurs mostly behind the scenes where God alone can see it. Our presence here today is one of the many things that are right with the church. It takes very little skill to criticize the church that Jesus loved so much that he gave his life for. There are few, if any, new or original criticisms of Christ's sinful groups of saints. It takes a lot more patience and skill to list all that's good about the bride of Christ. Christ himself is gradually preparing it to become a marital masterpiece, something of which he is so proud of. And it's incredible, isn't it, that Christ uses imperfect sowers like us to sow seeds that will blossom into eternity. The seeds that we sow will make a difference. Jesus has an eye for the value of small things, small things like a cup of water to a thirsty child, a widow's might, the difference that one talent can make and the smallest adjustments in, in one's own attitude toward their neighbor. A churchgoer recently said that his purpose in attending a church gathering is to be a different person at the end of the time together than at the beginning. In Canoeing the Mountains, Todd Bolsinger states that we return to our original starting place and see it as something new. With our eyes and our hearts wide open, we embody the character of empathy. I commend that attitude to you all. Intentionality and personal responsibility. Abide in God. Abide in the love Christ won for you on the cross. Jesus reassures us that there will be a glorious harvest out of all proportion to what we are sowing. As followers of Christ, we are called to scatter the seeds of faith widely. And we need others to scatter some seeds of faith on us as well. Our faith never reaches 
It never reaches perfection in this life. We are always works in progress. Our eyes will deceive us regularly. Our senses trick us frequently. We must rely on the Holy Spirit to grant us faith, and we cannot ever think that our faith is a good work that we do ourselves, but is Him working through us. Sanctification. We can have confidence of this, for this is God's own work. As the Apostle Paul says, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Praise God that he has sown a seed of faith within you and that it's still silently and patiently doing its work to produce fruit in you that lasts. May that give you peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.